We all know that we have the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty, but what happens when other laws contradict that? I'm your host, Grace Little, and here's what you missed in history class. Now, before we begin, I'd just like to say this is my first time recording a podcast episode, and I just know I'm going to listen back on this and tear out my vocal cords, so I hope we're not listening in class right now because... That's super embarrassing for me. Anyways, moving on, let's talk about this show. You're listening to the first episode of What You Missed in History Class, a podcast where I talk about human rights cases from the past. Now, as a fair warning, there might be some legal jargon or words I use, but I'll try to define anything the best I can as I go. And you can find the written and simplified definition of those terms on my Instagram page at WYMIHC. On that page, I post progress updates, case summaries, sources, and just make sure to check it out when you can and drop a follow if you like what you hear, you know. Okay, so let's just dive right into this. Today, we're going to be talking about the R.V. Oaks case. So in Canadian legal cases, the R stands for Regina, which is the Latin word for queen. And surprise, surprise, the V stands for versus. And finally, Oaks stands for David Edwin Oaks, who is the defendant in this case. So let's go back to where it all started. It's 1981, and David Oaks, a 23-year-old construction worker, is standing outside of a tavern, or a bar, in London, Ontario. He's approached by the police and is caught with eight one-gram vials of hashish oil worth $150 and $619.45 in cash. Hashish oil is just another word for cannabis oil or marijuana oil, which was illegal at the time. David claimed that the drugs were only in his possession because of a previous workplace injury, and he only had all of that money on him because he had just collected his workplace compensation check. Now let's talk about the NCA. The NCA is the Narcotics Control Act, which is Canada's drug control act that prohibits the possession and trafficking of drugs or narcotics. Section 8 of the NCA states that anyone guilty of possession of drugs would also be convicted of intent to traffic unless the defendant could prove otherwise. So, due to Section 8 of the NCA, Oakes was charged with unlawful possession of a narcotic with intent to traffic. Now keep in mind, this was 1981, so penalty for trafficking resulted in maximum life imprisonment, which was 25 years. Now as a side note, (laughs) I did not know that maximum life imprisonment was only 25 years. I just thought it was kind of, you know, you're in jail until you die, but nope. Um, I guess other people thought that too, so I'm not alone. I just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) Okay, so Oakes claimed that he had never had the intent to traffic the hashish oil, but without proof, he would be charged. The court used a reverse onus on David. Now, you may be thinking, what's a reverse onus? Well, I'm going to be honest, I barely know. It was insanely hard to find a simplified definition, but I do have a little understanding. So, a reverse onus is a part of the criminal legal system that effectively forces an accused person to prove their own innocence. And I hope that you guys understand that better than I do. And the written version is on the Instagram page that I mentioned before. Anyways, Oakes couldn't prove to the court that he wasn't going to traffic his drugs, so he was charged with intent. A year later, in 1982, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms came into effect. Section 11, Part D of the CCRF states that everyone has the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. 
Oaks went back to court claiming that Section 8 of the NCA violated Section 11 Part D of the CCRF, so his charge of intent to traffic should be revoked. Now, on the other hand, Section 1 of the CCRF says that reasonable limits can be set on someone's rights as prescribed by law. This basically means that the court can infringe upon someone's rights if they see fit. Now, this brings us to the main question of this episode. Should this violation be excused by Section 1 of the Charter? After three full years of Oaks's local court trying to decide the verdict, this case finally reached the Supreme Court of Canada in 1985. Then it took them an additional year just to decide a verdict. The Supreme Court found that the reverse onus performed in Section 8 of the NCA did, in fact, violate Oaks's right to the presumption of innocence, and it wasn't justifiable under Section 1 of the CCRF. The court also found that the federal government failed to connect Oaks' drug possession with intent to traffic, and the burden of proving his own innocence shouldn't have been shifted to him with the reverse onus. Oaks was charged with a minor drug possession and found not guilty of trafficking. After this five-year-long case, the court never wanted anything like this to happen again. As a result, a three-part test was developed to apply to Section 1 of the CCRF. This test was called the Oaks Test, and basically it helps judges determine what does and what doesn't apply to Section 1. This case was pretty interesting to me because it was hard for me to form an opinion on who is right in this situation at first. Like, sure, David was caught with drugs on him, but does that mean he should have been charged with intent to traffic? And not to mention, he was charged before the CCRF even came into effect. So why should Section 11D even apply to him? Make sure to check out my Instagram page at WYMIHC to view my sources, my progress, and definitions from this case. Listen to my next episode if you want to review another case with me. Thanks for listening, and this was What You Missed in History class.